Welcome back. It's a new season of the FPL Surgery Podcast. Welcome back, listeners. It's finally here. Time to get cracking for the new season of FPL. We've had a long summer. Some of you might have tuned into our podcast with James York. Had some fantastic feedback from that. It was a great experience chatting to James. So thanks to all who listened and continuing to do so and providing us feedback. But we need to crack on with the new season. So bringing him back, the main man, the Iceman. Thank you very much, Billy, and welcome back to you. Looking forward to a new season. Very, very much so. Yeah, um, very much happy that Love Island has come to an end the night before us recording this. <laughs> I'll do, I'll do. And we can now return to serious business of FPL. I didn't even know it was on, to be honest. But yeah, your, your wife is a frequent watcher, so you're very much in the know on that side. Very much so, yes. But uh, yeah, very happy to have that time back now to just focus on procrastinating over old and new strikers, leaky defenders and goalkeepers, etc, etc. On this episode, we've got two fantastic guests from the FPL community. They've been on many times before joining us to run the rule over the new season. We've got Peter Blake, who is well known for his analytical skills. He produces his website mathematicallysafe.wordpress.com. Two top 20k finishes to his credit. Uh, he finished in the top 3,000 last year. Fantastic effort. Welcome back, Pete. Hi, thanks for having me back. Yeah, how have you, how have you fared with that FPL over the uh, the summer months? Uh, not too bad, to be honest. Um, <laughs> the summer's quite a good opportunity to uh, play with a whole, se- whole new season's worth of data. So um, I, I wrote a pretty long article on, uh, on my blog, and that took up a fair amount of time. I've been on holiday. I've had just quite a nice, um, relaxing time. Uh, and thinking about some things other than FPL for about maybe a week <laughs> but now I'm back into it again so fantastic of course good to be back good to have you back yeah really looking forward to hearing what you've got to say we've also got Mika back once more and uh, he's a Finnish ref so he also sees the other side of the game so Mika please use as a platform to uh, get your own back on bastards who shout at you when they get booked he's got a brilliant track record two top 1k finishes the highest being 158 absolutely awesome welcome back to the pod Mika yeah, thank, thanks for having me. Nice to be here. How are you guys? Yeah, very good. Just excited to get cracking for the new season. I know the Iceman's itching. Oh, I cannot wait now. It's nice to be back in the chair. I feel like you never actually stopped playing, Iceman. Over the summer, you've been uh, trying to trying to get one up on the rest of the uh, the world. <laughs> I have been doing some research. Slack channel is constant. Do really enjoy it, so it is every day. Every day. You're the man. Right. So we've got, uh, just before we get started, Nice Man's talking there about the Slack channel. So just a word on Patreon. This year we're introducing new features for our Patreon subscribers. So if you access Patreon, you can get uh, monthly prizes. If you come in at the Slack level, you're going to get access to this uh, Hogs Rudd Season Team Planner, helping set up for game week one throughout everything you require for your planning. You get access to prize leagues and the prize draw with our beautiful new shirt, coasters, and stress balls for the season up for grabs. They could get crucial as the time goes on. The higher tiers of our Patreon grants you access to our Slack channel. And this consists of all the guests we've had on the podcast and the rest of our awesome patrons. So thank you very much for anybody who decides to join following this. Uh, but we've got some new patrons who joined over the summer. And these are Jeff Holt. So he's joined at the prize league level. We've also had Alan Duffin, Johnny Hill, Kiwi Nick Greenwood, Juicy Vertinen, Anders Kirchhoff, who's a past winner of the FPL Surgery Public League, Mike Mulcahy, I butchered that name, I'm sorry, Mike, uh, Andy Goodland, Gavin Bradley, Abdullah Alalain, Mads Eriksson, Sean Peterson, all joined at the Slack level. As usual, the Iceman likes to get some feedback, don't you, Iceman? I do, yeah, I've asked Anders, Anders reports to us. And as I said, I really like and enjoy the environment you've created here with knowledgeable, dedicated and friendly managers who all find common ground regardless of the team they support like what I've seen so far and look forward to seeing what's to come. So if you want to support the the podcast to grow, and to be honest, anything that we gain from Slack just goes back into prizes and uh, and putting a bit more into that so we don't profit out of it ourselves. If you want to support us, then patreon.com forward slash FBL surgery. All support's greatly appreciated, whatever you can put towards it. And uh, let's keep the pod going and growing. 
It's really nice to have so many patrons join us. And again, it's a thank you from both me and Billy. We do appreciate it. Yeah, we just hope to grow more and more. At the moment, we spent more on prizes than we have Patreon money coming in. But seeing uh, Tom Campbell in that shirt yesterday really does make it worth it. Doesn't it look good? Yeah, it does look good. And giving out those prizes, especially the coasters, which we've got. We've just ordered another load. Stress balls, another add-on. It's all pretty cool to have some merchandise. I say cool in a in a sad way, but it's, uh, it's, it's nice for us. Uh, if we can't get geek out on our merch when can we exactly okay so let's give you a little sum up of what we plan to do today as uh, of course it's still a few weeks until that much anticipated game week one so we're just going to be looking at players that we're either going to have for our game week one team or we're thinking about adding we won't be listing all the players and why we aren't bringing them in but mainly the players that we are and why so more to come in following podcasts so the Iceman Mika and Peter have all listed the players they're thinking of having for the first game week we're going to go through each position we're going to think budget we're going to think medium price and premiums and we're just going to get straight into it I think lads so I'm going to to come to each of you but then it's a bit of an open forum to comment we're going to start with the forwards the uh, the glory position and we're thinking here budget and for us we define budget as 4.5 to 7 million so within that bracket you're talking about a cheaper striker for sure so the the one that really is on all your list chaps is uh is king king of bournemouth i'd like to come to peter first for that do you want to lead us off on discussion of king what why have you, why have you got him in your thinking uh well my strategy i think going into the start of the season is not a highly controversial one from the what i've seen on twitter but i'm putting a lot of money into the defence and into midfield primarily. So I'm looking for some good budget strikers and, well, frankly, there aren't many. But King does seem to tick the boxes. He didn't. He had a, a reasonably good season last year. I mean, per 90 minutes, he was shaken out about 0.7 points uh, per 90. So that's, it's not too bad. It has been pointed out with a lot of penalties involved in there as well. But at the same time, a penalty taker on an attacking team is is no bad thing to have in your team as well. There's the obvious comparison with with Wilson, and I think Wilson arguably is a better player, but is he 1.5 million better? Probably not. I think realistically, what it comes down to is you've got a starting forward on a very attacking team at 6.5 million, and based on the other 6.5 million players, I can see I considered Dini. Um, I looked at Jota, but I think they've just signed a new striker as well, and they've got the European distractions. I don't know who's going to start from for Burnley. In that, I need a 6.5 million striker, and King just seems to tick all the boxes for me, so that's why I'm going with him. And to be fair, he's been in my team for a few weeks now, and he hasn't left, and I don't really see him leaving now either. Which okay. which boxes does he tick for you? The stats haven't been amazing. What stats are you thinking about? There must be some which you're you're looking at. Yeah, I think big big chances. Yeah, big chances last season. Um, was yeah, wasn't too bad. I'm just trying to find those numbers now. I've got this enormous spreadsheet in front of me. I'm trying to find where everything is. Nineteen big chances last season, uh, which which was pretty good actually uh, relatively speaking uh, throughout the league just goal scoring attempts shots on target etc I think he's he does maybe pull a little bit deeper than Wilson Wilson's definitely the, the poacher in the box but again I'm, I'm, I'm looking at a I'm looking at a price bracket here rather than an individual player. There aren't anybody. There isn't anybody else 6.5 and lower who I think is a going to start as much. Barnes at Burnley, I think, would have better numbers overall. He last season his numbers were better overall, but I can't guarantee he's going to start. Certainly with Jay Rodriguez back in the picture. Jota again, decent numbers last year, about sort of 0.8 points per million per 90, but. He's now moved up to forward, so he's not going to get that hit that level again. Dini's a walking red card waiting to happen. <laughs> of all the players in that in that area, without going up to the seven millions and the massive conversation we can have about Chelsea forward right now, <laughs> I, I think he just feels like the most secure. But at the same time, he wasn't the first name on my team sheet. He's definitely filling the filling the gap there for me. Yeah, Mika, what's your thoughts on King? Well, at the start of the season, as we don't have any sort of form, you have to trust the fixtures. And you can't ignore the fixtures of Bournemouth. Uh, they're playing two promoted sides at the start. Sheffield United at home and Aston Villa after that away. Just because of those, in my opinion, you have to have at least one Bournemouth attacker. And if we talk about this price bracket, there isn't anybody else. We can talk about Wilson and later on, for example, Wilson Brooks. But I think because of the penalty duties, King is a viable shout. And like uh, Peter said earlier, there isn't many, many options in, in this bracket. 
Yeah, that's, that's fair. I mean, I'm looking at Bournemouth and I have looked at King a few times. I've, I've got Wilson at the moment uh, in my thoughts, uh, more than King for obvious reasons. But just looking at the fixtures after game week three, they've got Man City, tough fixture. Leicester, another tough one. Everton at home, it will be a tough fixture. I'm saying Southampton away should be fairly tough probably the easiest of those and then West Ham at home which yeah they've got a better team this year and then Arsenal so I'm thinking two game weeks that's all I kind of really want them for I think and if you're bringing King in it's just moving to another 6.5 and I think this kind of move us on to Delafeu who I am thinking about in my team at the moment he has got like better points per 90 than the likes of Frazier Jimenez and Siggy had last season but it's just his points per 90 are kind of higher against lesser teams for example his numbers were quite skewed against the teams like Cardiff and Huddersfield but Watford do have some easy fixtures to start the season so I would say that he is in the running for that 6.5 position. I can see that you guys kind of haven't got him listed down as one. Oh no, you do, Mika. What's what's your thoughts on um, Delafay then? You're you're for him, are you? Yeah, well, I have to start with saying that I absolutely love him because I bought him last season when he scored that hat trick. Oh, nice. 21 points. Again, that price pool, it's so difficult to choose a player. I actually have one draft where, where I have Delafay and King both both in. I'm a little bit confused by the Delafeo thing, to be. I mean, you're right. His, his stats were so skewed, you know, in those really big games last season. I think it's just it's given everyone a bit of a sort of false perception of him. But if you look at the back end of last, right in the last week of last season, he was 5.7 as a midfielder, and he was only owned by about six or seven percent of the players in the game. And now suddenly he's a million more expensive than that, and he's playing up front, so he doesn't get a clean sheet point, and he doesn't get um, an extra point for a goal. And I've seen him in a lot of drafts, and everyone everyone seems to be all over him. And I don't know if that's just because of the paucity of strikers out there at the moment. He just he feels a gap. But again, he's he's not gonna he's not gonna play Huddersfield and Fulham every week. Mm. So I don't he he's not on my list, and uh, I'm I'm yet to be convinced. I'm yet to be convinced that Fulham, uh, that sorry, that Watford are genuinely going to knock out of the park every week. Yeah, I think there's that's good points. Yes. And I have to say that he's not a natural goal scorer. He's more of a, a tricky winger. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean, like, when you the, it's the fixtures as well, which do kind of the home games that they do have. Brighton at home, and they've got Everton away, pretty tricky. Then they've got West Ham at home, Newcastle away, and then even Arsenal at home. So you can kind of see goals in all of those. Uh, he's in my draft at the moment, he's in one of my drafts, and he's been out of my draft as well. So he is in and out of it at the moment. I'm not 100% on him yet. Okay, so um, it sounds like we're fairly unanimous about King, but Delafay is sort of dividing attention. I mean, someone coming up from the uh, the championship I'm quite excited about is Puki uh, from Norwich. And Mika, I know you've been looking at him. Well, yeah, as a fellow Finn, of course. Uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> that's the only reason. Yeah, that's why. Uh, I, I, actually, I used to play against him. He's the same age as me. So oh. I, I've been following his career quite a lot. Um, well, I, I was a bit sad when I saw the uh, opening fixtures of Norwich. I know Bookie is uh, up for it. I know he can goals, uh, do a lot of damage in EPL, but those opening fixtures are just bad. <laughs> I don't think he can score against Liverpool, to be honest. So I just wanted to mention him. <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to talk about his fellow Finn. I don't think we've got anything more to add on Pookie, really. He's going to be a wait and see for, for most managers, I feel. I don't, I, think it's a, I don't think it's a yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing. He's got some bad fixtures up, and you know, because I think a lot of people, myself included, don't really like bringing in a promoted player right from the off. You like to give him a few weeks to bed in, and the fixtures kind of give us a perfect opportunity just to wait and see. It's highly unlikely he's going to go up in price in that time either. So, if it turns out he's looking pretty decent against some of the weaker sides, just for a good run of fixtures, you can probably bring him in as a switch for King. Uh, without without losing any money, I would have thought. Yeah, so. I mean, he's got the numbers behind him, really. I did check him out. He's got 29 goals last year, most of the league, nine assists. So he's got everything to, to make it work in the Premiership. He had 144 shots. Only 17 of those were outside the area, too. So he does have it behind him. He just doesn't have those fixtures. Yeah, well, but I, a- I, I have to say that promoted teams statistically score 40% less goals when they get to the APL, so... Mm. Yeah, it's wait and see for us. And the other thing about him as well is he he hasn't had a... I mean, he's 29 years old. He hasn't had a 
stellar career. I mean, he's got Schalke in his in his history, but and I suppose yeah, in one appearance for Sevilla as well. But he's never played at the level of the Premier League before, and at the age of 29, you've probably got to wonder wonder why now maybe he's a late bloomer that might be a really unfair um, assessment of him but if he was 22 23 i'd probably be a bit more excited about him but he's had kind of a career of relative mediocrity compared to the other strikers around him uh, obviously much better than my my premier league career but i don't know i, I think there's there's a definite element of wait and see there i think not mimic mad <laughs> I, I think that segues us that, that conversation about championship strikers coming up and making the grade segues us beautifully into iceman's pick of Jota here so he's going to be up in price this season Iceman can Wolves do it again are they one season wonders or do you think you know with the arrival of Catrone today as well decent reputation in Italy is this going to affect Jota's minutes or do you think he's still their main man oh no I definitely think that he's going to start I think that Catrone has just come in for backup but it's the fixtures again you've got to play these fixtures and Jota's probably the best of the 6.5 strikers in my opinion if his fixtures were better I think he'll be straight into my team he's one of these players which you could probably just put in and leave until the rest of the season his expected goals towards the end of last season were identical to Jimenez's so he's got the stats behind him I mean I look at his shots in the box last five game weeks of the season he was top even above Salah on 20 Salah on 19 Aguero on 16 Aubameyang on on 16 so yeah he he is in form he's scoring pre-season kind of tempted just to put him in and leave him because what Peter said about Delafoe there is swaying me away from him in, in some way happy to help <laughs> yeah thanks. okay Iceman well another one on your list Iceman is uh I'm really, actually, it's on Peter's list as well. So clearly, you, I'm missing something here. I'm reading the name Wickham, and I, and I don't know why. <laughs> but you two have far better reputation than I have. So, uh, Peter Blake, come on. Tell me why the, the prodigy that was Connor Wickham is now back in our thinking. Because he's 4.5 million, and he'll sit right at the very end of my bench and never come on. Um, he's, <laughs> You're selling him to me. You really are. <laughs> He, uh, again, it's, it's it's about how do you want to distribute funds around your team. He's somebody. I need a four point five striker given the structure I'm going for. So, and there's actually there's quite a few interesting options actually. I think it, there's three quote unquote top six teams in Man United, Liverpool, and Arsenal who've all got a four point five striker, all doing well pre-season, and. Mm are all being talked up as potentially getting minutes this season. So there's potentially a bargain in there somewhere. But Wickham doesn't have much competition up front for Crystal Palace, especially if Sahar goes. I mean, if he goes, they've, they're definitely going to have to play you know, whatever forward they can find. Benteke is not going to set the world alight because he's not playing in Aston Villa shirt anymore. <laughs> Wickham had a really horrific injury record last season. And that obviously does put people off because he's got a bad injury record. But, I mean, previous seasons before that, he was known to score goals. Yeah. And interesting thing, last season he played 61 minutes. Uh, he picked up one assist. So, I mean, that's... If he, if he can extrapolate that over the course of a season, I mean, wow, you're talking like 50-odd assists, you know, so that's, that's, that's perfect. But, obviously, in all seriousness, he's not going to. But he's a cheap option. And I think he is likely to play some minutes if he's fit. Yeah, um, he's been playing pre That's it. Yeah, he's been starting pre-season as well. So for 4.5, I'm not sure you can want much more than that. Yeah, it's not to say that if you're playing pre-season that you're going to start come season. But he's been doing all right. He's scored a couple of goals. And yeah, he's had the history. So that's why he's in mind. I mean, I had... Greenwood on that list as well for Man United. He's been also scoring preseason and been playing, and they look good with him down the right. I think he will get minutes as well. It's a choice between those two for me. Again, I'm, I'm going to choose between those 4.5 strikers. And it, it was it Brewster at um, Liverpool's another one. Yeah, and. Uh... Was it Nikita or whatever he is at Arsenal? Yeah. Uh, uh, um, I don't think he'll get minutes, but I think he'll certainly get something off the bench. So Yeah, he, he again, and Ketia, his name is, um, okay. he, he again has been getting some minutes, but uh, yeah, with Arsenal, who they're looking to bring in as well, so it's whether or not he will get many. But out of those, I think it is between Greenwood and, and Wickham. At the moment, I'm, I am on Wickham just because I believe that 
he should play. He was really good when he was starting continuously. So I just hope he can. I mean, like Greenwood has got the hope and that's where everyone's at. I just kind of think maybe if, if everyone's on Greenwood now and he's not starting, everyone's going to be removing him. And then now there's that point one that you're going to go down. I just don't think that many people are actually going to be on Wickham. I do think he's got a good chance of starting as well. So well, there is a sense of, I don't want to lose that point one on that 4.5 million striker who, Essentially, I'm just going to leave on my bench. I'm not looking to start unless they are starting consistently. So uh, I just hope that they don't go down in value as well. Okay, so um, the other, I suppose, one that's going to, I think it's quite promising, is, is Greenwood. Uh, again, Iceman and Peter, you've mentioned him there. Anything else you're around about him when we're talking about cheaper players? No, I mean, I've got him in my team at the moment. But again, it's to sit on the edge of the bench and... The point there about um, potential loss of value because of such high ownership is it is certainly a concern. I think it's likely I switch to Wickham at some point, but at the same time, it depends. It depends what Greenwood's going to do and whether we think he's going to start. Now, I think there's this there's this tendency at Man United to, for want of a better phrase, fetishize um, the impact of young players, and they, they get very excited about them because of the history. It's the, the the burden of the class of 92 and at the end of every season you'll always see a, a young Man United player coming into the starting lineup. it was like James Wilson a few years ago and you know, random players like that started against Bournemouth a year before that they're always talked up as being the future but then when the season starts they never really quite materialises so that would be my fear for Greenwood is that they they have this this tendency to want to show they're producing young players and their academy is still really good. That said, they've got Solskjaer in now. And if Solskjaer does want to walk the walk with that kind of thing, he may just want to chuck a couple of these younger players. Like uh, I've heard Chong's a very good um, a very good player as well. Some of these players might start getting integrated into the first team because... I mean, to speak, yeah, to be frank, they haven't got a, a, a massive amount of options throughout the squad. So I'm a little bit undecided on Greenwood. I think it might be a steer clear for the moment. But at the same time, if he does start game week one uh, and game week two, then his price is going to go up very, very quickly, especially if he starts shooting on goal. And from what I've heard, he's not frightened of a shot. Okay, well, I think that pretty much rounds out our budget strikers. Let's move up a notch then, so our medium price. So here we're talking 7.5 to 9. Fewer players, players to talk about here. The, the standout really is Wilson. And uh, Mika, he, he's top of your list. What are you thinking about Callum this year? Can he do it again and be injury-free? Well, at least I hope he's going to be injury-free. I absolutely love the guy. Complete striker, absolute voucher. Loves to go do a lot of damage around the box. I absolutely love him as an FPL option. Eight mil is a uh, is an awkward price. There's not a lot of options around the price, and Wilson is probably the best. Uh, again, I have to say that fixtures. I'm probably gonna use the wild card early, so I'm I'm gonna bet those board, uh, on those born mode guys. It's between uh, King and Wilson, to be honest, and uh, it really depends on how I'm gonna structure my team and how how much value I can get. If I need cash, I have to downgrade Wilson but to King, but I don't know. I would love to have Wilson. Okay, yeah, nice man. Do you want to support that argument? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've got Wilson in at the moment. I mean, I, I listened back to the FMAO FPL pod with Michael Carey, and he was raving on about him so much last year and how good he was at his expected goals. I've checked out his XGI, so his expected goals involvement. He's, he's right up there. He's actually quite equal with King on that, 16.25. King's on 16.39 for the whole season. I mean, a lot of that does involve penalties, though. But he's quite high up for that, so it does show he's able to get that amount out of points and it is the fixtures as well I do kind of want to look at him as like a, a two fixture player here the problem is with that is that I'm booking in those transfers for game week three but he is one of those players that you could just leave as well because he can do it against anyone so at the moment he's kind of in and out of my squad but he's also at that price point which if you've got that two transfers you can kind of move him up to an 11 or move him down if, if needed so 
there's no doubt in how much he can score throughout the season. So yeah, at the moment, yeah, currently in my squad. Nice. And uh, Mika, the one that I'm particularly liking the look of, had a great uh, reputation at Juventus, good games to goal ratio, deputised nicely for Ronaldo last season and, and looked to be a real talent. I'm surprised I've let him go, but it's my scheme's gone to Everton. Well, yeah, I don't know if the rumours are true and if the deal is finalised, but uh, if if the rumours are true and he's coming to Everton, I'm absolutely going to love the guy. Fans that haven't seen him play, he's uh, like, I would say, like a young copy of Lukaku, pretty much, uh, with a better ball control. That's the best <laughs> way to describe it. I was fortunate to uh, saw him live a couple of times last season in under-19 yeah. championship, and he's an absolute menace. And Everton fixtures at the start are pretty good. Christopolis, Watford, Aston Villa, Wolves. So if he comes and he can get the starter, he's definitely on my mind. Yes, yeah, same here. Going to be definitely looking out for him this season. I don't think I can go far wrong with him up front, Everton, compared to what they had last year. So I think it's watch this space, but he could be a good one to, to bet on early. Um Let's move on to our premium strikers then. So 9.5 up to 12, the big bucks. So big investment here. Peter, I'm going to come to you first to talk about Sergio Aguero. Yeah, um, I really want Sergio Aguero on my side, but I can't quite afford him. If somebody out there listening is willing to lend me about 6 million quid, I'd I'd appreciate that (laughs) so I can bring him in. But he's he's a remarkable striker uh, consistently and... I think the only thing that stops him being an absolute guarantee in everybody's team really is the looming shadow of Gabriel Jesus. But I've yet to see any evidence that Jesus can match um, Aguero's, what he brings to the team. Uh, I think he's still, you know, a guy still learning his trade. Um, And the fear we've had for the last couple of seasons is that we're going to get Aguero and Jesus will continue to get more minutes. But I mean, last season, Aguero's minutes were, were still pretty good there's still about two and a half thousand uh, out of the season so yeah he was he was being pulled off at that you know, uh, sorry he was being substituted that Freudian slip um he was being substituted <laughs> around 60 minutes on, on quite a few occasions but even at that price point he was still you know banging in the points he scored you know 201 FPL points last season I think his his shots per 90 was the second highest in the league but that was uh, only behind I think it was Gabriel Jesus so I, I, st- I still would really like Aguero. I still think he's first choice. And I think maybe over the course of a season, Jesus might start being bledded in. But I think certainly for the first six weeks, Aguero will still be you know, the principal starter there. The only thing you'd say is, I mean, he hasn't been starting many of the preseason friendlies. You know, you had Sterling starting up front. So I think that's because of the Copper America. So I, I think he, he's out for that reason. But also because I've got £12 million to spend and I'm going to spend it on Raheem Sterling rather than Aguero. But... Hmm. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to have the guy in there again. Yeah, I, I, I'll be behind the sofa every time he's playing, but I think the only saving grace is I haven't seen him in many teams either, so I don't think he'll do too much damage. Yeah, I think we do need to mention that about the Copa America and the AFCON. That, that is going to affect a few teams and their players coming back, Aguero being one of them. I did look at the Aguero versus Sterling comparison. So Sterling does win overall. But if you look at the just the shots in terms of XG, Aguero is a good five points ahead of him. So he's like on 18.13, whereas... Sterling's on 13.7 for the season so I mean he's proven it year after year but it is that age which the Pep seems to be managing him with he doesn't seem to be just allowing him to play every single game non-stop and as James York mentioned on the podcast last Jesus does have good numbers when he comes on who knows this may be one of those breakthrough seasons for him I'm not sure if He's just going to leave him on the bench like he did last year. I think they kind of needed Aguero quite a lot of the time last year. Maybe they do this year, but I, I think that Jesus got the capabilities of actually coming on and and doing something. When we talk about the age, though, he's he's only 31, and he's only just turned 31 as well. And given Guardiola's philosophy is to have one, you know, two world-class players in every single position, he's still doing pretty well to be consistently ahead of Gabriel Jesus, who Pep Guardiola has got a lot of time for as well. So I, I don't think we can, for, for my money, he's still number one and he's still the number one choice there. And I don't think he's very old. I still think he's got a good two or three seasons in him, given the quality he's got and given the strengths he has, he's not, 
yeah, he's, it's not all about the pace for him. It's about how he harries and uh, you know, his low centre of gravity and his ferocious shot. I don't think that's going to go anywhere in the next few seasons. I, I agree with that, but it's what Pep did last season. Why is he taking him off every 60 minutes? So you think that that's still going to continue? And also he's probably managing him because he is injury prone. He does get injured quite a lot. So that is the worry that I'm thinking with him. That you know, You've got Sterling. If he misses a game, he misses it down to, you know, he's just being rotated for a game or so. But you feel like he's going to play more. And he did last season. He started exactly the same amount of games as Aguero last season. And he got a good 300 minutes more. So that's quite a lot in terms of the FPL potential. But the shot volume for Sterling is a lot lower. He'll have more touches in the box, yeah. be more involved in the play, he'll get more assists. But his shots are something like, I think he's getting less than two shots a game. And for a 12 million player, that's... Don't get me wrong, I've still got Sterling in my team right now, but it does give you pause for thought when Aguero is taking pretty much twice the volume of shots as, um, as Sterling. Yeah, I'll look at the um, the shots on that. I can just do the comparison now. I've, d- I've done those off the top of my head, so I might be wrong. But... Yeah, no, you, you are correct. The goal attempts per game, Aguero's on 3.6 and Sterling's on 2.3. So, yeah, there, there okay. is quite a difference there. I think at the start of the season, Sterling versus Aguero comparison is a pre- no-brainer, to be honest. Uh, as, as the guys who had some sort of summer competitions, they're all going to miss the and statistically, all the guys that missed the preseason start slow. I'm expecting Sterling to start up, up front. Aguero is going to have like a week with the team with, uh, before the start of the season. So, And Jesus will come back. I think when the season is starting on Friday, uh, Jesus is coming back to the team, I think, week before that. So I think City will play Sterling up front on game week one. So I think this uh, discussion is pretty... Dull at the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, he did score two goals against West Ham pre-season as well, so he can't wait for it. Yeah. Okay, so um, the main man, Harry. So he used to be jinxed in August. That didn't happen last year at all. Iceman, let's lead the discussion on this. So Harry Kane, disappointed with the Champions League final loss last season, which I think he was pretty poor in the final, if I'm honest. Kenny, is it going to be another 20, 30 goal season for Harry? I think he will, yeah. He's at a good price at 11 mil, and I've had him in and out of my team at times. He is on my list. I still do want him. It's just rearranging it around that Salah and Sterling that I've got and making everything else viable. I mean, Kane is Kane, isn't he? You're always going to get points. He's proven in the Premier League over years and years now, so he's probably going to carry on doing it. That's why I've already got a plan. If I'm not starting with him, I've got a plan to get him in or have the option to get him in. I mean, Ndombele, I don't think think he's that fit at the moment in Dombele so he may not start the season so that won't be ideal for Kane because we know that Kane likes to drop deep you know when Dombele you know Moussa Dombele actually left Kane was dropping deeper and deeper and there's <clears throat> the old talk that whenever Kane scores whenever Dombele was playing so it looks like he may, if, if Ndombele, don't get the names confused, doesn't start, then I would be a little bit worried about Kane dropping deeper. But Mora will bomb forward with Son suspended for two games. So that's that's the thing as well, is that Kane likes to let Lucas Mora get forward quite a lot. So there's that which I'm worried about as well. So I feel like I'm going to risk leaving him for the uh, Aston Villa game, but I have got a, a thought to bring him in for game week three. I think there's not much to lose, to be honest, as everyone is going to uh, captain Salah at the start of the season. So Aston Villa at home, the Spurs, is not that scary fixture, to be honest. The thing is about Villa is that they were uh, out of the promoted size. They had the worst defensive record, didn't they? So you, you could you could see it first game, Kane scoring at least maybe a brace or, or even three, and then everyone rethinking what they're going to do. But I just like giving myself that option just in case as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I can see that also. And also, I'm thinking about Kane. It's pretty much Kane versus Sterling for me. But I, I have to say, sorry, sorry, Peter. I'm gonna sorry. just gonna say that since his last injury, his shot volume has gone down a bit. And like like you said, uh, Iceman, uh, he's dropping so deep that I don't know if I can afford that much money to him. I rather have Sterling, to be honest. I think you've just touched on the thing that's putting me off, Kane. It's the, it's the injury since um, in the last three, less than three years now, he's had four ankle injuries. Now, some of them have been impact injuries, and I think they have been across both ankles, but that's not a part of your body you want to get keep taking repeated injuries on because it's going to it's going to start hurting basically it's going to start affecting his play and 
you're right also when you say his shot volume's going down. He was going very deep last season to collect the ball and to get things moving. And I mean, I I came on his podcast at the end of last season and um, made an absolute idiot of myself by saying oh, I, don't, I don't fancy Spurs at the moment and then they went and beat Man City the next week in the Champions League <laughs> and went to the final but I've, I've kind of got that same feeling about them now in that they there was a really good article by Seb Stafford Bloor on uh, Football 365 about Juan Foyth and about how they're selling Kieran Trippier and actually it might be Foyth who comes in at right back and the whole premise of the article was around Spurs and Pochettino having to potentially reinvent what he's doing there you know, putting less of the sort of dynamic thrust in the uh, on, on the wide players, where they did have Rose and Walker originally, maybe moving it a bit inside, which is why Ndombele's coming to the side. You've still got Eriksen unsettled as well. Uh, yeah, Ali didn't have a particularly good season last year. If you combine all of those factors together, as well as the Alderweireld contract ongoing issues, all of these things go together makes me think Spurs are going to be in a little bit of transition, a little bit of flux next season. If you put Harry Kane's injury record against that as well. I'm not saying don't buy him for game week one because against Aston Villa we could do a hell of a lot of damage, but I'm not going there because I'm just not quite confident that... I mean, Spurs traditionally start quite slow anyway uh, over the last few seasons, and if they're in transition, that may still be a problem. I still think Kane will score a couple of goals in the first four weeks, but I'm not sure he's going to do it enough to justify the 11 million over what, say, Sterling or Salah are going to do. So... I watched um I watched part of the game preseason game against Real Madrid and it was Lamella and Son mainly getting most of the opportunities and Kane wasn't really involved as as much as we would want him to be but Marcelo did make a mistake and then Kane latched onto it scored like he's a goal scorer and yeah. I'm just going to I'm you know I'm going to question your what you said about his attempts the, them going down they haven't gone down significantly because I've just looked at a uh, a quick comparison there to Aguero in terms of attempts per appearance and he is on 3.6 per appearance so he is making them and I looked at him when he scored that goal from the halfway line at pre-season he even made four shots during that half which he was playing so I don't think that it's necessarily dipped all that much because of his injury I think people are focusing on that a bit too much I do think that Kane will have a good season this season and it's one of the reasons why I'm thinking you know I do want him in my game with one team I just want to the reason why I'm thinking about not having him is that I want to uh, capitalise on Bournemouth fixtures in the first two game weeks and then move him in. So that's currently where I'm at with Kane. Okay, so what about on the other part of uh, North London, which is the Arsenal? Iceman representing as well here, but Aubameyang. <laughs> yes, I'm the only one who's chosen Aubameyang here. But yeah, highest point scorer last year. Yeah, mostly involved in all of Arsenal's attacks whenever they go forward. Got the golden boot along with Mane and Salah. The last three times I'm looking at this on a fixtures basis as well because we play Burnley second we also play Newcastle first the last three times Arsenal faced Burnley Aubameyang scored a brace in each game so <clears throat> he's got everything that you kind of would want for those first two fixtures it's whether or not you're able to have him and then remove him maybe later or again he's another one which you could just hold on to I mean if you're looking to have him just for the first two games I don't object to that at all if you're working out a strategy to, to move him out he is a goal scorer and he can do it in any game I do think he can do it against uh, anyone but last year you didn't necessarily see him do it against the bigger teams other than Spurs which he scored to him OK well I think that's going to round out the, the strikers for us chaps some great content there We've got some work to do in this midfield, though. Plenty of names here. So I'm going to start with one that spreads across all three of you. Back to the budget bargain basement, and it's 4.5 to 6 million players. We're starting off with Dendonka, and uh, he he arrived from Wolves. Wasn't really particularly uh, thought of at the start of the season, but he, he had a good reputation over there, and United were looking at him. And then sure enough, halfway through the season, he becomes pretty much um, a linchpin in their side along with Moutinho and Neves in that midfield. So you'd fancy him to uh, to get some game time this year. And uh, Amika, he's one of your picks. Well, he's there because there's not much else to choose from uh, the prize pool, to be honest. 
Uh, <laughs> yep, same. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's almost about it. I mean, like he's he got to the two goals last season, came into the Wolves squad, what, in January last year, was it? Now he seems to be starting. He's a 4.5 midfielder, which is starting, playing for a fairly decent team in Wolves and can get goals and potential assists. So that's about it about Dendonka, really. I stand corrected. Okay, let's go for someone a little bit more more promising then. So, um, Peter, you, I'm excited by this one. And Dombele. So um, we've talked about him a little bit already. I, I think he's going to start. I think for that kind of price, the, the money that Spurs have paid, they haven't shelled out a lot of money in recent years. So I think he's going to go straight into that side. So everything we said about Harry Kane, I think we can consider to be true. What, what do you like about Ndombele? I think it's just everything I just mentioned about the the transition and from what I understand the kind of player he is. He's going to, there's a lot of driving runs into the box. He has a good history of creating chances in uh, the French league last season. You're right. They spent so much money on him that it's not like they're not going to play him. I think for six million, he could end up being quite a bargain. I think maybe when they priced him, they maybe possibly expect him to be a little bit box to box, a little bit defensive, and he probably will start quite deep and do a lot of that you know destruction role but at the same time he's got that ability just to get his head up and run with it as well and make things happen and scatter defenses and if he can play a global at the end of it which which we know he can at the price point of six million there isn't um i I think uh, which is not true i think there are a few other players that six million i quite like but he's one who really catches the eye and he's also a route into a top attack who i don't have any coverage for at the moment either and i think it might be worth it. It might be a good punt. You kind of you kind of want to start the season with you know, just just one punt, don't you? So yeah, an, an exciting player. The risk is he's new to the league, though. You, know, you don't know how exa- exactly how he's going to settle. Iceman mentioned earlier he's potentially unfit at the moment, so he's not in my team at the moment. But if I happen to find myself with a you know bit of money spare to upgrade a five point five midfielder, I'll probably end up going to him. Yeah, I suppose that's a kind of same thing which I'm thinking about. Um, John McGinn, yeah, another punt coming up for, with uh, Aston Villa. He just looked good in some pre seasons. I've seen five point five. I feel, feel like if I'm looking at an option around that price bracket, I'll probably opt for him. Uh, a lot of people have spoken about Grealish. He kind of conducts the play, but John McGinn kind of gets forward and, and gets some goals. I know he only got the six goals last season with uh, 10 assists. Still fairly good numbers around that price range. And a new up-and-coming team in Aston Villa, so you don't know what's going to happen. So probably a wait and see. But if I was to have to force myself into a 5.5 player, I think I'd opt for him. Okay. Um Slightly higher price. Uh, Mika, I see you've gone from Pereira here. Oh, uh, yeah, 6.0. Uh, Watford has a good pictures at the start. Unfortunately, he's, uh, he has missed the preseason as well. But Brighton will play, uh, sorry, Watford will play Brighton, Everton, West Ham, and Newcastle on first four. Like you guys said earlier, you can have one punt, and this whole price pool is probably uh, around those players. They're all pretty punty. Let's let's quickly talk about the the punts then, because I almost do feel like yeah maybe you can have one punt, but with that punt you kind of want to make sure that they're playing player and you've know, got a bit of credibility behind them at least uh, that you can kind of hope for maybe like a you know like Pereira yeah I'd, I'd give it he he is one which I would include in that maybe not McGinn and and Dombele though but. I've reconsidered my um, my thoughts on punts. What's, what's your thoughts? Do you feel like it, it should be just someone who's come in, got a lot of hope, and then you just go for it? Or do you feel like that's uh, too risky? Well, if you want to achieve something on FPL, the punty players are the players to gain. If you buy them early and they start firing, you start climbing the ladder a lot. Of course, it can backfire as well, but normally they are not that highly owned, so they won't drop in price either. Yeah, I suppose around that price bracket, it's not too much of a risk, is it? Yeah. Depending where you go. And it's easy to uh, uh, transfer them out, in and out. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I completely agree with what Mika said. I think there's a, an element of it where if you get a player early and they do start firing, you do all right out of it. At this price point, if they don't do anything and you only pick up two points a game for the first three weeks before you transfer them out, well, it's not, it's not a catastrophe either. I think if you're going for a, 10 million pound striker who's new to the league that's a different story but I think I mean I'm, I'm looking at Ndombele potentially again he's you know Spurs are a top four team he's going to be part of their attack he's a record signing so he's definitely going to play barring the fitness thing 
there's not too much of a risk there. The only risk potentially is how does he fit into a Spurs system and what Spurs system going to be. I'm less keen on Perea because we've had a couple of seasons of him and we know what he can do. We know he blows hot and cold. Now, if you get him at the start of the season, he does really well like he did last season. That's great. If he doesn't, you may want to consider moving him out. But again, at 6 million, it's not as much of a risk if you know the other 10 starting positions in your team are covered. I'm, I'm happy to take one punt, I think. Maybe more than that is a bit bit rich. But. Yeah, and if we compare uh, what for options, Deulefo 6.5 uh, and uh, Pereira 6.0, other one gets uh, clean sheet points on midfield as well. I think from those two, Pereira is a better one. Of course, he missed the preseason as he was with Argentina out on, uh, in Copa America, but still, I think Pereira is better than Deulefo. Yeah, so uh, Peter, the other interesting one I've got here is Barkley. You like him like a Ross this season? Uh, he's back in the this is the punts punt section zone. as well. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, he started a few games preseason. He's picked up a couple of goals. He seems to be playing quite an advanced attacking number ten position behind behind a front man. Chelsea are generally a bit of a steer clear for me at the moment. I kind of want to see how everything shakes out, but I can absolutely guarantee after six weeks of this game, everybody's going to have a Chelsea player in their team because one of them is going to rise to prominence and they are going to be cheap because they are yeah. cheap already. Yeah. Barkley's in there at the moment as potentially one to again he can be a bit of a creative hub in the middle of a pitch for them he can definitely pick up assists, he likes to have a shot it might be worth doing is he going to start? I don't know I don't think he's going to be in my game week one team but he's it's definitely in the back of my mind to think of all their players he's the one I'm possibly considering but it's probably about 25% shout at the moment yeah I, I agree with that Chelsea are the big wait and see this season they're just all pretty cheap I mean along with the forwards they're all 7 mil. just got to wait and see who starts and yeah like you say again I think that we're all going to have a Chelsea player at some point I saw, uh, I saw some reports about Barkley that he promised to score a lot of goals and if Lampard is going to get him in <laughs> yeah and if Lampard is going to use the same tactics as in Derby uh, last season, Barkley should play as a number 10, so he could be the new Sigerson, I would say. Interesting. Barkley's the new Siggy. Let's uh, let's see if that develops. Shall we move on to the uh, medium price ones, chaps? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Okay, 6.5 to 8.5. Actually, Mickey, you said it's going to be the new Siggy. Siggy's top of your list. Talk to me about his potential for returning like he did last year again. Well, Silva use, uh, uses that 4-2-3-1 tactic where Sigi is the number 10. Uh, when they have the ball, uh, he tends to go around the box and play almost as a second striker. Uh, well, we, everybody knows him. He has played in a Premier League for a while now. And he's a solid pick, let's just say that. Uh, Everton fixtures at the start, I like them as well. Uh, Christos Palace, Watford, Aston Villa and Wolves. And I, I have seen him uh, a lot of traps uh, on Twitter as well. I think he's a pretty popular pick. My my problem with Siggy is that he, you know, last season Everton did have a lot of good fixtures towards the end. No one was even thinking about him. There's probably a good reason for it. Not necessarily that high up on the shooting stats. He had, he had penalties, which was, yeah, good for him. Um, he's always just been a, a steady Eddie, hasn't he? Not really scoring a great deal amount of points every game. Obviously, when he was at Swansea, he was consistently doing it. I know at the end of the season, he was in the uh, dream team of the year, but I just, it's not for me at the moment. At that price, I just feel like you can get better with the likes of Zaha has got better numbers than him, or Anderson as well, and yeah, you know, Frazier. There's just other options that I see are better than than Siggy, and I, I can't see everything going through him at Everton. I can see it going through other players as well, and yeah, you know, if they're signing new players up front, you know, maybe he's going to be a better option. Maybe he will take the penalties off Siggy as well. So. And also you've got Luca Dean taking off set pieces off of him. There's just a lot about it, which at 8 million, I don't think is worth the price. I would say that moving over to Richardson was probably a, a better bet. It's just Siggy doesn't really float my boat. Okay. Yeah. So divided opinions there. Um, I'll tell you what, another man I can see in a couple of your squads, 
uh, Tielemans, Iceman, as we're on you. Do you want to speak a bit about him now he secured that move to Leicester? Looked fantastic combining with Vardy last season. He's got a shot on him. I really like the look of him. Oh, yeah, you loved him last season as well. And I really do. Did. And I he do. was consistently performing as well. Every other game, getting a goal or assist or something. And you never really had the numbers behind him. That's my problem with him. I am more of a stats man. I do like to see consistent numbers. Spoke to James York on the last podcast. He was just saying how, yeah, it's not necessarily going to do it all the time he he does keep doing it though but he does play a little bit further back I mean with Perez in that squad now um yeah at the same price I would think that he is the better option out of the two he he is still in my thoughts I'm just not necessarily sold on them yet Pete you've got him in yours as well what, what's your thoughts on him um I'd rather have Madison I mean I've got both I've got both on my list but I think I think Tillemans is a really good price and I think he's a really good player and I think he will pick up points and I think at 6.5 he's definitely going to justify that price so I don't think there's any any harm in having him in there the thing I'm not sure about him is I think he definitely overperformed last season uh, against his underlying numbers as as you pointed out a lot of his shots as well were from distance you know he, he loves to wallop the ball for 30 yards and hope it goes in I think if I can find half a million more to get to Madison I think I would just for the you know set pieces you know when Vardy's not on the pitch he takes penalties and he's Pretty much the creative hub, playing further, further, playing further up the pitch as well. And I think, I think Madison underperformed last year against his metrics. But given the trajectory of Leicester, I'm expecting him to go up. So I think at seven million, he's he's priced. Uh, so I, whereas I think Tillemans is probably about right at six point five. So again, I'm, 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 if he, if he turns up in my side in game week, I'm not going to be. I'm, I'm not. I don't think I'm going to wake up in the morning after that and go, "Gosh, what have I done?" But at the same time, I think that there's there's potentially. I'd rather try and get the extra half a million if I can get it. That said, I think Tielemans. You know, going, going back to what we said a minute ago about the the punts of uh, Ndombele, I think I'd rather try and find a 0.5 to try and get Tielemans in than Ndombele. So I think they're probably both priced about right. I think. What do you guys? Uh, oh, sorry. What do you guys uh, overall think about Leicester? They have a hard fixtures at the time. They do have difficult fixtures, but they've just got a lot of hope behind them. They've invested well, obviously, in Tillemans and Perez, and it kind of just looks hopeful for them. They they finished the season relatively well as well. Vardy's always going to be that player which is going to get on the end of things. I think they're going to have a decent season. I'm a little bit worried they're going to finish above Arsenal. Yeah, I think they'll have a great season. I think they look like they were playing some really good football back into last year. They've got a very, very good, strong exciting squad there's a number of players throughout there which I, which I'd like from an FBL perspective and they just seem to be clicking a little bit after they got rid of Peel and uh, brought in uh, uh, Brendan Rodgers so again it pretty yeah, it's, it's a new season so maybe form goes out the window but I think they were arguably one of the most impressive teams at the back end of last season so if they can take that momentum into this season then uh, I'd, I'd be very happy to have them uh, their players in my team I'm going to tie, uh, whilst we're, we're talking Leicester, I'm going to tie uh, a couple of other players you've mentioned in your respective list. So Iosie Perez um, for you, Iceman, and uh, Madison for you, Peter. So, mm. Peter, do you, do you just want to extend that discussion about those other Leicester options? Yeah, I mean, like, like I just said, really, I, I think Madison is, is underpriced. I think if you look at it blindly, if you just take out the name of it and take out the history of what happened, you know, whatever happened last year and say... You're talking about a team which are probably going to be knocking on the door of a top six. You're talking about a number 10 who's the creative hub. All of the play goes through them. He's got a great set piece on him. He does like to have a shot. He creates chances for everybody else. It's all from uh, distance and he's only, and, and he's a, Yeah, but he's only 7 million. If, if you look at that profile of a player for 7 million, you'd think, yeah, brilliant. No, no, no problem at all. Bring him in. You're right. He does take a lot of shots from distance, but he creates a lot of chances as well. My my problem with, with Madison is that he has had the numbers for quite a while, hasn't he? And he never really hit them. If he hit all them every season, then yeah, he'll do well. But I just don't really see him doing it. I mean, he got what did he get? Uh, seven goals, seven assists last season. That's actually not too bad. But if he was to actually hit his you know numbers, which is expected of him, then yes, he would be a good asset. I just don't know if he is going to. But that's the thing. I mean, I the, the analysis I did over the summer, I've got him as one of the you know, most underperforming midfielders from yeah, last season so, against yeah. their expected numbers. Now, you can take that one of two ways. A player who overperforms is um, either very, very lucky or very, very good. A player who underperforms is either crap or is very, very unlucky. Now, 
given what I've seen with Madison, I'd, I'd like to believe he's unlucky. I, I think there's a chance he rebounds on that. And I think, again, at 7 million, I think he's underpriced. I my, think if, he, if he'd come in at 8 million, I'd probably still be considering him. So. My, my just argument uh, kind of against that, again, is that for England, he kind of does the same thing. It's not, it's always like a little bit unlucky. Like he's not on the end of everything and he doesn't necessarily score and assist. I know he's only playing for England under 21s, but he doesn't do what we want him to. So that's just my worry on him. Yeah, I was watching two games of England under 21s during the summer and, well, he didn't impress there. <laughs> okay, fair enough. But if we were to talk about uh, Perez, he, he's the 6.5 option in midfield. He's looking like he's going to be an out-of-position player. I don't know why FPL are moving him back into midfield. Maybe because he just played in behind Rondon last year. But he is a player that scored goals at Newcastle. You know, Playing for a team that will be pushing for the top six. He's a good price and has got a lot of potential. So also, importantly, he player who you can kind of leave in your team for a while as well, I think. If he's going to be starting for Leicester up front with Vardy, I just think he's going to benefit a lot. I don't expect you'll be getting massive hauls for him, but I mean, Rogers is already saying that he needs more goal threat, so that's why he's bought him. There is a lot of hope there. He's got the 12 goals he got last season, uh, two assist, only two assists, so he's just had the goals behind him, so whether or not he can do it at Leicester is, is a bit of a risk, but he is uh, in my thoughts. Okay, I'm bored talking about Leicester now. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, Pascal Gross, he's popping up. Actually, no, wait. Um, I'm going to come back to one on Mika's list because I've, uh, I've ignored him horribly. Let's go Lucas Moura. Well, he's exciting one with 7.5. And uh, as everybody probably knows, Son is banned at the start of the season, suspended. So I'm expecting Lucas Moura to be starting. And, well, he scored that 10 goals last season. Uh, and they played at Aston Villa at home. Uh, game week one. So again, he's around that Bundy, <laughs> Bundy check, uh, section. But I don't know. He's at the moment in my draft, as I don't have Kane. I want someone from Spurs for that fixture, and I don't know if I can justify that price for Kane. So Lucas Moura is looking like the best bet. I suppose the problem with, with Moura is just so inconsistent. He can just do it around him and get a hat trick. But some days he's just on the tour. It's just I never really saw consistent numbers from him last season. That's kind of why. I've not really looked at him. Yeah, that's true. But I'm just looking for a short term at the start of the season. As I don't have any form at the start of the season, I think it's justified to get this sort of players. Interesting. Yeah. Peter, thoughts on him? I don't really have anything to add, to be honest with you. I think, uh, I think Mika summed it up really well. Uh, he's on my list of players who could be in there. The, the only thing that concerns me about it is it does feel a bit short term. I, I tried to set up my team to think, right, I pick 15 players who you want to go with uh, without assuming uh, you're going to make any transfers because things are going to change. You, know, you don't want to lock yourself into a transfer. And if Song comes back and Moira's suddenly relegated to the bench again, that could be a problem. But again, we don't really know how Spurs are going to line up. And after his performances at the end of last season, Maybe he comes back in. Maybe he's in favour. I'd also say if he does start, it's likely he ends up starting up front uh, rather than punted out wide. So he might be an out-of-position player at 7.5 in the top four team. So at that point, it becomes essential. It's a question of whether he's going to get the minutes, but or not there. Yeah, OK. I think that's enough said on him. Uh, Iceman, you've got quite a list there, so I don't think we're going to get through all of these. Do you want to pick some of your one or two of your favourites? Um, yeah, as I suppose the ones which I just want to talk about, probably Anson, Redmond, and Fraser. I mean, Fraser is almost a given for me for the start of the season with their two fixtures which they've got Sheffield United at home and then Aston Villa away you know they are two good fixtures which Bournemouth do excel in and he had 4.8 points per game last season and for that price and under it was the best and uh, chances created it was third overall so it's, he's scored pre-season as well along with Wilson he just seems to be the, the player which I think makes them tick so I almost think that he is a given for those first two fixtures but I will be moving him out afterwards the other two players were probably Anderson he only got the nine goals for assists last season although nine goals is his best result so far per season to date but West Ham they do have the fixtures after the City game they look to improve over the summer Lanzini is back yeah he is a class to exceed in that in that team really Lanzini he was in my thoughts as well Lanzini 6.5 my thoughts on Anderson is just that he he is the one that can 
progress the ball for West Ham. He's the one that kind of makes them tick and not necessarily going to get on the end of everything. That's my kind of worry about him. I do see some goals from this West Ham team. Just They've got some good fixtures after the City game and there is some hope around that. So I have also looked at Redmond as well. He is another out of position playing up front, 6.5. He did play up front with Adams and things against Feyenoord. And to quote Will Miners from our Slack channel, Redmond was their best player at the back of end of last season playing alongside an out and out striker there was one game versus West Ham where he was rested and rotated and they were awful until he came on I don't think that he will be out wide this season at all you play the best player in their best position so there is some hope around those players as well <laughs> I'm getting bad flashbacks from last uh, start of the last season about Redmond <laughs> I put him in towards the end of last season Redmond he, he scored nicely got me a nice 10 points oh nice uh, yeah, I mean, Redmond's not one I've uh, considered, um, to be honest. I think Southampton are going to have a, a good season, a bit like Leicester. They were a bit of an upward trajectory at the end of last season. I like the look of them this season. There's certainly players throughout the team I, I kind of want, but I can't really justify bringing them in. There's always somebody at the same price price point I, I want a little bit more. You know, like... I quite like I like quite like Redmond, but also like Tielemans. I also like uh, Lanzini. I also like uh, Gross, and it hasn't quite worked out. But I've got any Southampton players in yet, so I mean I, I may consider him after this, but not right now. Yeah, Gross is uh, one of those players which I, I do have on on my list. I just want to quickly discuss is. He's one of these players which didn't really get the run of it last season and Houghton tend to just sub him off randomly. He was also injured throughout a lot of it, so he didn't really score that well. But the season before, he did really well in finishing the, in the team of the year and was just consistently providing, was the, the highest creator that year as well. So he's got a lot of potential behind him, Gross, and I am kind of expecting a big year from him. It's just that I'm not expecting a big year from Brighton, so I'm... A, little bit hesitant to go there. I'm kind of hoping they, they make some more signings and see what happens. But he would be one, he would be in that punt category and uh, I'm not necessarily really convinced on him. Yeah. Okay. So, um, let's go to the premium midfielders, probably where most of the money is going to be going this season. And I can see a nice consistent strip of Sala across the top there. So, Peter, do you want to speak about Sala? I'm not sure as much to say about Salah really. He's the best player in, in the game, has been for the last couple of seasons. I think he's good value at £12.5 million. I think he's better value than Mane. He shoots a lot. He's a creative spark for that team. I think you'd be very brave to go about him, to be honest. Yeah, same. There's not really much you can, you can say, is there? Is You can say more about Mane and the fact that he's not worth the 11.5 over Salah in terms of Salah's on penalties you know he's getting all those assists throughout the season as well Mane isn't really and also he overperformed his expected goals last season by a long way it would be it's Salah all the way and I just think he's he's just worth that money like you say so much because of how much he's, he scores each year and he's done it two years running now and I'm convinced he's going to do it this year as well yeah I think Salah is the most obvious pick at the start, you can't really compare him to anyone. Sterling is the only oh, only one who you can really compare, but I think you really need both of them at the start of the season. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, so we, we've all got Salah, Sterling and KDB on our premiums list. Like we've kind of mentioned, Sterling, we, we know goal scorer, definitely a great asset to have. KDB, again, he he's probably one more for potential because he did it the year before last we know his quality we know how good he is uh, it's just whether or not he's going to be playing in that deeper lying role or not but there's obvious reasons why we've got all three of those on our list yeah the one fpl wise to worry about uh, gdb is, is that you should really be able to captain a 9.5 player and well at least i'm not comfortable to uh, captain him Okay, so um, I think we've, we've exhausted ourselves there. The Iceman's filling up. It's time for the first time this season for the Iceman's Piss. Thank you very much. So the Iceman returns from his first break of the season and we've got a bit of housekeeping stuff to do now. So 
Um, as a Transfer Hub member on, on Facebook, the Iceman's been alerted to a very successful algorithm created by Mikel Tokvam. Uh, Mikel's created this algorithm, which identifies the best attacking players to have in your team moving forward week to week. The results give each player a score, and that can be used to identify the best available transfers for your team, which I'm sure we can agree would be very helpful. Every week he's posting the results on his Patreon website for his 100 followers. In addition to this, he posts special calculations for captaincy, something the Iceman was pretty good at last season. It seems to work pretty well for him. He's got four top 2K finishes in his career, uh, and he's being ranked by FPL Review as the top 20 in the world last season for expected points. Uh, among some of the followers, we also find a few players, at least Leon Lewis and Sean Tobin, which made it to the top 100 last season. They were also uh, at the summit of FPL's rankings. Also, more detailed algorithms you can find on his Patreon site, and we're going to provide the URL in our description. Uh, Mikel has agreed to partner with us this year, providing us with insights from the algorithm each week. So lots to be learned there. Yeah, so he's going to kind of assess my team each week and then give me the players or ones which I should go for from my team. I'm not necessarily going to go with it. I'm just going to you know, see if what he chooses and what I choose each week work. I mean, like, if I do go for it, then great. And then we'll see uh, if I do actually do well. Uh, but it's an interesting algorithm, really fascinating to read that throughout the year. Very happy to uh, for him to be a partner with us. Yeah, really good uh, team up there. Looking forward to working with them this season. So another thing to shout is we're also partnered with Fantasy Football Hub. Um, I've been given exclusive sign-up offer code, which is a surgery 10. So if you go to fantasyfootballhub.co.uk, you can sign up there for 10% off. Lots of networking, Iceman. <laughs> yeah, it's good fun. I mean, like, there's some great stuff on that Fantasy Football website, enamoured with details and information. They've got planners that you can have. Uh, they've also got up to stats this year. So it's really good. I, would, I do recommend it. Okay, so with all that said, you might be wondering why we're not talking about defenders and goalkeepers, and that's because uh, this podcast has gone on for quite a while. So we're going to split it into two. Um, so we're going to finish this podcast now, and then uh, you'll have your next podcast covering uh, defenders and goalkeepers with our established guests and to prep your team for the first game week of the season. So first feedback box of the season is from Dimitri Vudrik. And he says, has to be one of the most insightful FPL podcasts I've ever listened to. Uh, found myself nodding along and agreeing to a lot of it, which never hurts. Well done. And uh, that's in reference to the James York podcast. So thank you for the feedback there, Dimitri. Yeah, thanks very much, Dimitri. Iceman, do we have any sexy thoughts yet? I don't know. I did message him. I hope we do. Uh, let's have a quick look. Um, no, we do not. Apologies if you're looking forward to sexy thoughts, but... No sexy thoughts to start this year. Maybe we'll get one for game week one. Sounds good. Yeah, looking forward to more of Sexy's wisdom. But that brings us to the end of the first half of the return of the FPL Surgery podcast. So I'm not going to say my goodbyes just yet, just because our guests are going to be staying on. Um, I'm actually going to be signing off here. So it'll be the Iceman and Peter and Mika for the uh, for the next one. So let me just tell you how to, if you don't listen any further, let me tell you how you can get involved with us this season so uh, as usual as we said you can help support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash fpl surgery any support's greatly appreciated join our mini league uh, so the code this year is cccjk2 uh, you can visit our website fplsurgery.com find us on facebook soundcloud and reddit uh, you can tweet us at fpl surgery subscribe on itunes and uh, listen to us on SoundCloud, which you probably are now. Info at fplsurgery.com if you want to email us. And that brings us to the end of the first edition of the FPL Surgery podcast. Iceman, any words of wisdom before we head off? Oh, there's never any wisdom from me. Well, I would say you've got more to come in the next podcast. Um, like I said, I'm not going to say goodbye to our guests. They'll get a chance to do that in the ne next podcast. But it's Bully signing off for this week. We'll speak to you in the next one. This episode is going to be based on what players we will either have for our game week one teams or are thinking about adding. Um, we won't be listing. <laughs> Sorry, Pete, you, you, you might as well do that again because Pete's dying in the background. There. Sorry, Sorry to report us our first <laughs> casualty of the season. Peter Blake has snuffed it, everyone. That's Peter Blake snuffed it. Was, was that not on mute? That's, uh... No, it was, it was full loud.
I think the mute button on this is broken. Mm, well, that was that would make a good outtake. Sorry to say, mathematically safe has gone down all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> do, you want, do you want to start that again, mate? So much. <laughs>